turn back to the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. Looking at Proverbs topically, there are other sections of Proverbs that we will take differently. There are repeated Proverbs. That would be another series. When you think of repeated Proverbs, you can't help but think of the very solemn one. Chapters 14, verse 12, and 16, verse 25. Seemeth, there's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And then there are individual verses in Proverbs that really will not be covered under any topics. And uh, there are some very good ones. Um, and uh, we'll probably look at a few of those verses that have not been within the, the focus of any particular topic. Well, this is a topical thought today, and, and uh, this is a message not just for parents that have children, small children. This is a topic for all of us, and it's the topic of the discipline of children, and particularly Corporal discipline. The word corporal is the idea pertaining to the body. So, there are people that think that there there should be only alternative ways to corporal punishment, that people are today thinking that they're smarter, they're wiser than God, and they're jettisoning, um, paddling the use of the rod. Now, yes, there are alternative means of, of discipline. The Bible doesn't tell us that every single time there's a disobedience that the paddle is to be used, but yet it is neglected. We swing the pendulum sometimes. It's either altogether neglected or overused. For every little infraction uh, brings out the, the, uh, the rod. But it is a very significant topic in the book of Proverbs. I'd just like to begin with uh, Proverbs chapter 3, where we read in verse 12, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. Our Heavenly Father corrects us with discipline and sometimes it's very painful it may not be a a stick to the body but it certainly at, at times is a very painful providence a very painful correction and if you've lived long enough as a Christian we've sinned more than we would like to more than we ever expected or hoped to and if you've lived long enough as a Christian then we have been disciplined by the Lord in ways that that we know came from Him though a human being may may not have perceived it we perceived a painful providence and the Lord through correction can can work simultaneously many different um, disciplines in our life and I believe that the fire of 2019 was in part 
a discipline uh, to me. And I, I took it that from the Lord. And, and uh, it's just interesting that while the house was burning and I was waiting for the firemen, I was confessing my sin to the Lord. And, and I understood that in part that God was um, was dealing with me about an idol or two or more. And I'm thankful that, again, he was using that as a, a correction in my life to remind me that I'm to love him with all my heart and soul and mind and strength. <clears throat> so we're, we're told here that our Heavenly Father will correct us and our earthly fathers and mothers should correct us. It's assumed that we are going to practice what our Heavenly Father exemplifies in the raising up of His children. And so a believer is going to exercise discipline toward his children if he is faithful to the Lord and if he is reflecting the Lord's fatherhood. Let's pray. Lord, please help us with this unpopular practice, this unpopular truth. We pray for wisdom among your people, not only to practice it if we are in that position, but Lord, to, to be able to help those that are struggling and those that need wisdom in the bringing up in the nurture and admonition of their sons and daughters. Oh God, we pray for disciplined church. We pray for disciplined families. We pray, Lord, that we would all submit to your instruction and leading. We pray that our children would be warned as they're, when they're young that they will, thou will use this as a factor for them to flee from the wrath to come and to avoid premature death and, and eternal hell. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> the message title is The Wisdom of Discipline, and in particular we're focusing on obviously physical or corporal pertaining to the body, particularly to the, uh, the padded section of the body, though that's not the only part of the body that's mentioned in Proverbs. And right at the outset, uh, we need to make the comment that the Bible is not outdated. People are trying to correct what the Scripture says. It's the world that, that refuses to listen to the Lord's instruction. And we wonder why you find screaming parents in the stores that can't control their children who are grabbing everything off the aisles, off the shelves. And we find so pitifully the lack of discipline privately is causing the, uh, uh, the wildness publicly. <clears throat> and uh, those things should not be. May I say the Lord gives a direct correlation between discipline and etern the eternal welfare of a person. The Bible says that that God will use the, the means of discipline to save a soul from hell. That's pretty serious then that we take heed to this instruction. And I am a grandfather now and um, my children don't give me the permission to uh, corporally punish my grandchildren at this time. That's their primary... That's their... Um, responsibility, but yet we can be there, my wife and I, to, to remind them that this is the teaching of the Bible. 
not saying again that there aren't alternatives to use as well to supplement, I say, corporal punishment. But uh, we're finding, even in the Church of Christ, that believers, professing believers, are trying to replace this physical punishment with alternatives where if they use physical punishment at all, it's a supplement to the alternatives when the reverse is that which is true. And we're reminded that the task of bringing up our children is in the parents' ballpark. We read, Hearken unto thy father that begat thee and despise not thy mother when she is old. Over and over in Proverbs we're told about the parents having the responsibility of bringing up our children. Now, it's true that someone says, well, doesn't a church help to bring up the children? Doesn't a neighborhood help? Doesn't a a society help? Um, Yes and no, depending on who the church is in the neighborhood. Uh, And it's true that the Bible does teach that parents do delegate but they're still they're still in charge. Whether they delegate to counselors, they delegate to teachers in a private school or a public school, however it might be. And um, there is an, even in a sense that in a church that the elders are responsible for teaching, but the parents are still in, in charge of bringing up their children and the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And we're even told about multiple teachers, for instance, in chapter 5 and verse 13, where the person that didn't listen to his parents and the teachers that were delegated by the parents, it says, um, sorry, not 5.13, what did I write here? I'm sorry, I wrote down the wrong reference, but it says, how I despised my teachers. We read that when a person's physical health runs down because of his immorality. And uh, okay, uh, yes, chapter five, verse twelve. How have I hated instruction in my heart, despised reproof, and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers? This it is, verse thirteen. Nor inclined my ear to them that instructed me. So you see here that that the, the instruction was delegated. Peripherally, but still the parents are in charge of, of, of making the decision of what church, for instance, that they, they attend, which has certain elders, and which counselors they may use, and, and so on. So the task is the parents. It says in chapter 22 and verse 6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Spoken obviously to those in charge of the children not society, not the state but not the church but to fathers and mothers and the way he should go is not the way he wants to go the way he should go but there is also a a nuance in that text that, that shows that a child is you know children are not robots they're not all in the same mold there are some that will need less corporal discipline than others, and there are some that that uh, that need more. But the way he should go is certainly showing that they're they're individuals made in the image of God, and uh, 
they have different they, they have a certain path that they're taking in the will of God and we are to to lead them in that particular path in the way of righteousness but have but, but, but while doing so we need to keep uh, pushing them on to that particular um, pathway and the use of discipline is is necessary to in order to do so remember in Deuteronomy chapter 6 it's the parents that are told to uh, these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children not others children though there are factors involved in in, in schools and so on And, and it's by example first of all as well as verbal instruction Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. The word is to chisel the truth in them. And uh, when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. So it's all day long. It's all week long. It's not not just on the Sabbath. In, in, in the worship services, it's the parents' responsibility. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. There is a truth. Yes, we obey our elders. We obey... Honor our, our uh, spiritual fathers and social fathers and so on, but it's the parents that the children are first of all um, responsible to. Fathers bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and so often we have the delinquency—not so much of the children, but we often have the delinquency of the parents—that results in the delinquency of the children. If we spare the rod. And I'm getting ahead of myself. It says it's a, it, we hate. It's a form of hatred because we're self-centered. We don't. We, we they're crying upsets us, and we don't. We we're 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 not subjecting ourselves to the discipline of consistency. It's, it's hard work. It's exhausting to discipline verbally and physically and so on. And so it's often the delinquency of parents that um, is the root of the delinquency of children and so we need to keep that in mind we cannot just blame children we've got to see the responsibility in the ballpark of the parents not the state uh, although there's becoming an American communist party in this land the state wants to run our households. The state wants to bring up our children and the nurture them. They're trying to keep things from our parents, and we need to. Parents need to be aware of this and very, very cautious about the, uh, the infringing of the state. And we know so. We know often what happened, for instance, during the epidemic, and how the power grab. Um, what's that saying that? That um, yeah, there was a man. That, well, it's talking about those in rule. Rule. They want more rule. They're 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 power grabbing for for more responsibility for for more uh, dictatorship. And again, chapter one, verse eight. Hear the hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. It's synonymous, but notice. Instruction and law are parallel. 
we should see our parents' word as firm, as, as authoritative. Even if it's take out the trash, it's the law of your father, the law of your mother. And, and uh, we don't question, well, is it really relevant? Is it really spiritual or, or not? It's, it may not be a spiritual um, matter, but it, a, a spiritual topic, take out the trash, but it is a spiritual matter because it's a matter of obedience. It's a matter of learning submission because a child who doesn't learn submission is going to rebel against all kinds of authority and sooner or later they're going to hear either the clang of a, of a jail cell or they're going to hear uh, the, uh, the switch of the electric chair. And so the Bible tells us very clearly that a child needs not to be left to themselves. <clears throat> the teaching is certainly by example and we find that throughout Proverbs in the Scripture, chapter 4, verse 11, I have led thee in right paths. Not just the verbal instruction. He has set the example. What did Jesus say to his followers? Follow me, and I will make you to become a fisher of men. He was an example. And parents were to be examples. Remember um, what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. There's going to be chastening, even for believers, who first of all broke a commandment and then taught people to break it. Notice that it didn't say they taught people to break it and then did. And then they broke it themselves. But the example was first of all. They were first breaking the commandment and then they taught. He that breaks the least of my commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of God. That's a scary verse because it seems to be talking to a believer. Now, I understand that our sins are, are under the blood, and they're going, all of our sins are going to be under the blood, but the Bible teaches we're all going to have an interview with God. How else am I going to say this? It's not the same as, as the goats and the, and the sheep. There's going to be seemingly at least a private. You know, some people have this idea that people in heaven right now, are, many of them are biting their nails because they're, 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 they haven't been judged yet as Christians and so they can't be happy how can they be happy if they're waiting their interview with God so I'm of the opinion that a, a Christian's interview with God is immediately upon death but again there are things that, were, that, that, that are hidden from us but it, it would certainly seem biblical and logical that we're going to meet the Lord when we die and that will be the time when the Lord faces us with you know did we did we, did, were we faithful parents? Were we faithful Christians? Were we uh, consistent? Were we hypocrites? And, and it should. It is a matter of, of concern and trepidation for me. Even when you're interviewed by a, an earthly superior, every so often we're brought in for a, a five or ten minute discussion with our supervisor. And, you know, how you think you're doing? So first of all, they'll ask us, of course, who wants to, who wants to, to, to a diss themselves. But you do if you're honest enough and say, you know, I think I'm not as sharp as I should be. I, I need to, I need to, while I'm driving to think there might be a deer coming out from behind that bush. And I don't drive often that with that sharpness and that readiness to. Uh, that, that I feel is, is, is as safe as I could be. And of course, if there's any complaints that have come in from 
the, uh, the school district, then they'll bring those up as well, uh, if there is. But the point is that we are going to have an interview with the Lord. The Bible says every one of us shall give account of himself to God. And let's keep that in mind and confess where we have failed and plead the Lord's blood and ask him for help to, Lord, from now on, please help me to, to be faithful in this particular matter that I have, where I have dropped the ball and, and uh, pray, Lord, don't let me lose all that I have wrought. I mean, there's a scary verse in, in, that the Apostle John uses. He says that we are to labor to not lose that which we have wrought, but to obtain a full reward. That tells me that there are some rewards it seems that believers lose. And uh, however way you might interpret that, there is a, a fear that that if I'm not faithful, if I if I begin to drag my feet and and uh, sow my wild oats, so to speak, and think that I'm coasting now, I've, I've been a Christian many years, I better think differently. That I want to be faithful to the end. You want to end well, not just begin well. Of course, every Christian begins well because our slate is clean. The blood washes away our sins. But many Christians will continue well, but then we why is it that we lapse as we get toward the end? It's like the runner that just you know starts to slow up toward the finish line when the finish line is a, should be an incentive to run even faster. And you and I are seeing the finish line, however far away or close by it is, and we need to run faster and not lose that which has been wrought. And I do pray, Lord, don't let me lose everything. I know that I know there are times that I have fallen back and I feel like I've lost. And I've, I've, I've lost ground and not gained. And I ask the Lord, help me to gain ground now and not to lose what has been wrought. Don't let me lose altogether. I mean, those are fitting prayers. Please don't let me lose altogether the things that, that Thou has helped me to, to gain thus far. Those are our, our prayers I think we need to keep in mind. <clears throat> and of course, there's not only example, there's verbal instruction. And we see that uh, the instruction, the law of thy father and mother, the commandments, and the words. We're repeating God's words. But there should be verbal instruction in the home. There should be communication, which is an old English word for way of life, but I'm talking about the, the modern use of the word. There should be communication between husbands and wives. Are we on the same page? Um, are we in agreement about the kinds of discipline that we're using? Uh, we, should, you know, we should be on the same page as far as things going on in our home and in society. Husbands and wives should be communicating. Uh, I know that sometimes we assume and, and you know, maybe the one that's, that's working outside the home is, is exhausted and the last thing you want to do is talk when you get home, but we need to talk. Fathers and mothers need to talk. So, brothers and sisters, parents and children, there needs to be instruction. And certainly, at the minimum, there should be family worship. It talks about the instruction of thy father and mother. Is that just saying, oh, only during the day, during your, in your schoolrooms? I mean, you, 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 you factor in all the verses of the Bible. There should be a, an ongoing, consistent family altar that takes place in a Christian home. I mean, you know, there are times I've heard you know, children complain about a family devotional. And, you know, I'm like, 
Isn't, it a, isn't this a family? Isn't this a Christian family? If, a, if an unsaved person came into your home, could they accuse us of being Christian? Is it only that we bow our heads and give thanks at a meal? Is that the only evidence that an, an unsaved person can, can gather from us being a Christian? And, and, and just because we have, and I know I'm going on a rabbit trail, just because we have a guests or strangers or friends in the home, does that mean we jettison our family altar because they're their home? Or we don't go to public worship because they're in town? I mean, the Lord told His people, don't let the strangers alter your behavior, alter your godliness. We see this over and over again. Make the, if the stranger is going to stay with you, let him be circumcised. But certainly never, okay, okay you know, you can, you can forego, you can forego the, the, the public teaching because some Egyptians have visited or what have you. No, they were to be incorporated. They were to be included in the regular, ongoing worship of God's people, whether it was publicly or privately. But so often we offend God because we don't want to offend someone else. And I'm looking in the mirror when I say that. But we need to see that people need to be altered by the worship of God and not the worship of God altered because of people. But unfortunately, that's not what goes on in many homes. And I do come to corporal punishment, not just example, verbal, but corporal. Why is it that God speaks about physical punishment of not just children? He talks about a rod is for the back of fools. And you know, as I say this, maybe I risk, because this is public, the day that comes, someone's going to turn me in and say, you need to get that bus driver off the, off the route because he's starting to talk about physical punishment. Well, before I say that, and before people would jump to that conclusion, do you ever hear people say, you know, we ought never to let football players give lectures to our schools and children? Do you know what kind of physical punishment that those men endure every day? And, and we laugh at it, and we cheer, and we have, and we desecrate the Sabbath. They are hitting each other as fast, as running as fast as they can. They don't care if, if if someone is knocked over and knocked out. So we expect it on football fields. What do they expect in hockey? In hockey games? Checking against the wall and seeing people's teeth fall out. You know, you have, have you ever heard, have you ever seen a hockey player without missing front teeth or a straight nose? Maybe because they've had they've had some some uh, uh, surgical correction. But do you know that there's a position in hockey called an enforcer? You know what he's there for? He's there to hurt people. He's there to throw off his his uh, his. Uh, Gloves and and dis, duke it out with somebody that's picking on their star player. That's physical. That's corporal punishment. There's corporal punishment in hockey games and football games. Think about rugby. I mean, so many sports and activities. And they say we can't take a paddle to the bottom of our child. Listen, there's hypocrisy in this society, and we need to see it and call it out. And realize that it's the devil that is trying to keep Christian parents from using physical punishment because the devil knows it is, it is successful. 
to humble children to realize I get feel pain now for your sin instead of feeling pain later and forever. Better feel a little pain now. Now again, it needs to be exercised with love. But the exact is they'll say that using physical punishment is a lack of love when the Bible, and who are we going to believe? The Bible says if you spare the rod, you hate your child. And what we're saying God is a liar? We're looking we're look we're seeing the long view if you're a Christian using using physical and other alternatives. We're we're seeing the long view and not the short view. The short view is crying and and and, and inconvenience and and uh, just time consuming and exhausting kinds of well that's the Lord has given his life to save us. He gives his time to teach us. The Lord loves us and He spends His time. And Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And part of our service is to alarm our children that sin condemns the soul, that sin, that sin is going to hurt you. And you need to be verbally rebuked or physically rebuked so that you might be awakened to the dangers of sin and the damnation of hell. So why is there corporal punishment? Well, obviously the answer, short answer is because God demands it. But it's due to the depravity of man. Not everyone just verbally receives correction. The reality of a fallen world and especially the dangers of hell. Hell is so dangerous. The Lord has, has instituted physical chastening. Because hell is physical, brother and sister. Hell is not metaphorical. There may be some metaphors of, of hell, but if the shadow is scary, what is the reality? But the Lord Jesus speaks about fire and about pain, about gnashing of teeth. These things are, are scary. These things are, are alarming. And, and for the time it takes and the love it shows and, the, and the, uh, the endurance that is needed to see a child saved and spared from hell is worth the time and the effort, the exhaustion, the tears. Because how often we as parents have gone into our rooms and cried because we've seen our child cry and hurt and and uh, suffer some because of their sin. So there's not one or just one or two verses. We just look at these chronologically. Chapter thirteen and verse twenty four says He that spareth his rod hateth his son you see it for yourself, but he that loveth him chasteneth betimes. Now the betimes doesn't mean necessarily it sounds like it's, it's saying many times. But the word betimes has the idea of early. Earnestly. Like you'll read something like the Lord the Lord will do something early. It means earnestly. And so this is 
really what it's really saying is not how many times the child should be spanked, but that the child sh- the, the discipline should start early. How early? You know, again, we, this this we, we we find out in our prayer closets and we find out in in experience. But the Lord is saying, if we spare the rod, now what's the rod? You know, obviously we we have to be very careful about what the instrument of discipline is. But many people have a, have a different definition of a rod. It could be a, a it could be a a, a a little a little branch from a from a, a willow tree. It, it, a little spike, or what do you call it? A little switch. Thank you from a willow tree. It could be a, a paddle. It could be more of a rod. But the point is, it's not something to injure. It is never anything to injure. The Lord obviously gave us some padded sections so that uh, it wouldn't injure. But having said that, brother and sister. The Bible says the blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil. And again, obviously the wrong kind of people will take that too far, that you have to bruise a child in order to be successful. But the bruising there is obviously, a, you could take it literally, there are times when a child ends up with a bruise. But the point is, a child has to feel pain to get the point that their sin is alarming, their sin can damn them, their sin has hurt the family, their sin has dishonored God. And we need wisdom when and how often. This the Lord doesn't give us all the all the details, but He gives us the major detail there needs to be the exercise of discipline. Neglect is equivalent to hatred. And uh, say why? Why is there being neglect? And it could often be because of selfishness. Chapter nineteen and verse eighteen says that chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. So the latter part of the text seems to indicate that a parent will neglect this because of self-centeredness. They can't take the crying. It's uh, it just it just uh, sets them so much to see their little one crying. But again, wouldn't you rather hear a little child crying because of a little pain from the back end than a child crying out in a, in a, in a jail cell or crying out as you go and bail them out of jail or crying out from the, from the execution chamber? I mean, really, or crying out because they, they, they've lost a job because of their drunkenness? And all these things. You know, we... We're, 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 what we're doing is, like Bob Jones Jr. used to say, we're we're uh, offering the the permanent on the on the altar of the sacrificing. we're sacrificing the permanent on the altar of the immediate. Instead of you see the permanence involved in chastening, but you see the immediate relief by not chastening, and so we're choosing often the immediate relief rather than the for our sakes rather than the permanent benefit for their sakes. Now again, it's easy to misinterpret and say, you know, you're just, this is mean-spirited disciplining. No. All the while, like anything else, we should be praying. Lord, please. And even saying to our children, 
beforehand, not just taking them out and spanking them, but sitting them down before and saying, do you understand, uh, I've decided that this is going to need a discipline, but do you understand why this is being done? Do you understand it's because I love you and I want to see you humbled and submissive to the Lord. I want to see you converted because if you're not listening to us now, how do you, you... This is in order for you to get in a position to listen to the Lord. The Lord is using this to say, look, if you're not going to listen to a parent, he's the, he's the greatest parent. He's the greater parent. If you're not going to listen to us, you're not going to listen to the Lord. That's usually the way it is. And you can tell a person's character. If they're not listening to immediate subordinates, don't think they're going to listen to you know, the, 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 the authority above. It's just the way it is because we're depraved people. But also notice in that text in chapter 19 and verse 18, there's a point in which the corporal discipline is going to do no help. So there is definitely a point. Now, there's two things being said. You're chasing thy son while there is hope. So there's a point where it's, kind of, it's hopeless. We've let the child go so far. And now, obviously, you have to use alternatives. I mean, we all know there's a point in a person's life whether it's 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, I don't know, where the child is no longer disciplined by the parent on a consistent basis. But I don't think that's necessary what that's saying here, that there's a point where, you know, but by the grace of God, we have neglected up to this point, and now they're hopeless. God has to do something drastic. God has to save them outright because either we've been inconsistent or unloving, or just neglectful altogether. And now there's a hopeless point. Chapter 19, verse 18. So let's pray that we won't hit that hopeless point. Chapter 22, verse 15. You see these are not this sparse. Chapter 22 and verse 15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of the child and the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. So you see here, there's a means. It's not saying that it's automatic. You know, spanking a child is somehow, you watch the sin, you know, evaporate into the atmosphere. Sin doesn't just go out while you're... But the point, there's a means. God uses the pain, the connection between pain and sin. And when, when a child sees, look, sin is going to result in pain. Sin is going to result in pain. And that repetition continues and it, it, it rises to a spiritual level. That's our, our, our prayer that the child sees my sin is going to lead to greater pain and you know, a higher pain, and, you know, the pain from God and the pain from society if, if I continue my... my uh, my, my sinfulness of pride and greed. And so they'll see that the pain will get greater and, and, uh, and uh, more significant and uh, less helpful as they get older and they aren't checked in their youth. So it's, it's certainly saying it's a means. Yes, it's a means. And notice in chapter 22, verse 15, foolishness is something, not something they choose. It's bound up in the heart of the child. So that is proof positive of, of the depravity of man. We're conceived and we're born in sin. It's prepackaged, in other words. 
Um, you know, we all look at children when they're born as a, as a gift. It's a package. But let's remember that part of that package is depravity. And uh, just like we say when, when two Christians are married, we're marrying sinners. We're marrying sinners saved by grace. They don't expect perfection. Well, let's remember when we have a baby born in our house, that part of that package is, is foolishness. It's, it's uh, included in their birth. It's not a bonus, is it? It's it's a challenge. But we all challenged our parents with that, didn't we? But notice how serious. You know, we say, okay, you know, I, I guess it's it's okay. It's a good good advice, but there's other advice. It's in chapter twenty three and verse fourteen. We read Well, let's start with verse thirteen. Withhold not correction from the child, for thou beatest him. Now, again, the old word for beat, in the 1600s, they didn't think about, you know, beating. The word we think, when we think about beating, we think about beating someone up. We think about, um, um, what do you call it? Yeah, injuring someone, you know, being mean. The word beat, if you look at the proper synonym would be strike or... Um, apply or, or cause pain. That's the idea here. It's not someone that is um, a robber. You know, someone that that uh, um, terrorizes somebody with a bat or a gun. But thou dost strike. You know, apply pain. He shall not die. And that's a, that's a comfort too. It's it's saying, look, they're not gonna, they're not you're not going to hurt them spiritually and physically if you exercise this kind of discipline wisely, consistently, kindly. They're not going to die. But they're going to die. It says, verse 14, they're going to die if you don't. Thou shalt beat him with a rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Now that's not saying, and this is where Sheol, Sheol can be used for the grave, for death, for the grave, and for beyond hell and Sheol twice is used with the word abaddon which is the word destruction so that indicates that Sheol is not only a place of consciousness but it's a place of destructive consciousness abaddon so he's not just saying you're going to deliver him from death That's he, he knows nobody can deliver anybody from death but the Lord and there's only been two people that have been delivered from death that I know of Enoch and Elijah. So you know that this word hell is referring to a, a place of, of conscious torment. It's, it's talking about a place that's, that's, that's not a good place. And it's saying so crucial is the exercise of corporal punishment when the children are young. And we might say also alternatives as they get older. The whole package of discipline is so critical that God is, use, is going to use it to deliver our children let's just put it bluntly from Hades, from the lake of fire it's going to be significant now again, just like anything else you say, well, is this a, a guaranteed 100% every time every child that's disciplined is going to go to heaven you and I know better than that but what's the alternative? to take a chance? think we're wiser than God? 
think that our way is the way to point them to heaven? Again, the point is that they're learning to associate pain with sin, pain with offense to God, pain with breaking God's commandments, pain with lying, pain with lust, pain with cowardice, pain with Sabbath desecration, pain with idolatry, pain with theft, and so on. And all the other types of sin, thought, word, and deed. Pain, pain, pain. And doesn't the Lord do that to us as elderly believers? The pain of conscience. The pain of rebuke of His Word. The pain of, of broken relationships. The pain of lost friends. The pain of, of a fractured marriage. The pain of, of a child that, that no longer will, 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 uh, will love us. All these things are pains that are associated with our sins. And like we want to avoid pain, right? Usually an animal, when, it, when it's zapped once or twice on the... No? Well, they're stubborn animals. But, but normally, if you associate something with pain, you're going to avoid it unless, you know, unless, you, unless you've lost your mind. But all of us, we usually avoid something if we know it's going to be painful. Unless it's a pain that helps. And even a child should say, I know you love me, and I know I need this. But you often hear the child say, just don't love me too much. But you know, people think, and maybe I'm getting off a little bit of a sidetrack, people think that the Old Testament is just in the dark ages, that, that uh, those that lived in those days were, were barbaric. You know what it tells us about how many times an adult sinner should be whipped? Forty times, and it even says, because we often think that physical punishment should only be given to younger children, and yet it says, "What's the rod for? Who's back? The back of a fool." And you know, were were they less wise than the Lord back then when they actually did? Paul, of course, he was unjustly whipped. But they actually did apply physical pain to the back of people or the backside of people because they loved them. It's not that they were mean uh, police or mean-spirited leaders. Maybe, yes, of course, we always, have the, we always have the pendulum, the extremes, the extreme neglect and the extreme um, overlords, the taskmasters. The balance, a false balance, is abomination to the Lord. But a just weight, balance. How do you achieve the balance as parents? Wisdom from the Lord, right? Prayerfulness, walking with God. He's not going to mislead us. Let us not think that we're wiser than God. And you know, often we're afraid of what will be the backlash of society. And yet, you can go online and. And just go online and, and touch corporal punishment. How many articles are, we're wiser. They don't say it. We're wiser than God. All, most of them will say corporal punishment by the experts. Be always aware when they say experts. Corporal punishment by the experts say it is debilitating, not rehabilitating to people. And again, they've probably seen the extreme, haven't they? 
is look in churches for children that were brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord can wisely, with the wise use of physical, verbal, and other means of, of um, discipline, and to see prayerful believers, generous believers, humble believers, by the thousands that have been brought up the biblical way. And again, how can we say that we're wiser than the millions of believers that can thank God for their parents that we're not selfish, that, that we're able to, like Jesus says, deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow the Lord. You could bring in certainly our children for interviews and they could tell us the things we did wrong. We could tell them the things they do. They could probably tell us more of the things that they do. But there were some things we did right. Would we like to have our parenting over again? Yes and no. Um, I'm thankful to be in, in, the, in the Somerset years, the sunset years. But we tried. All I can say is we tried. I pr- I've asked the Lord to forgive me where I didn't investigate where I should have where I was so selfish and concerned more about the inconvenience and the time consuming and, and the, uh, the time it would take for my child to recover and, and the temptation that he, would, he or she would be faced every time they were disciplined with bitterness toward me and so on. All these factors were considered when we were selfish and we gave in to them. But we need to not give in to them. Not spare for their crying. See the long view. I want to hear, don't you, don't you want to hear God say to our children, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. God knows that we're sinners. We were inconsistent. And we spanked when we should have. And we didn't when we should. We spanked when we shouldn't have. When we, and we didn't when we should have. And make too often or too little. God knows these things when we should have had alternatives and we didn't. He knows all the inconsistencies and the sins and we plead the blood. But He knows we tried. Isn't He gracious? God will use the means. But the wisdom of discipline, as I said, even to older ones, there are several verses. Rod for the back of those void of understanding. Smite a scorner and the simple will beware. A rod for the fool's back. Chapter 29, verse 19 is interesting. A servant will not be corrected by words. The idea of words only. Even a servant. Like it says in the Old Testament, there are people that were corporally disciplined and they weren't little children. Of course, you and I know there are other alternatives. You're an employee, and it's a real painful thing to think that you're going to lose your job if you continue your sin. Could be, you know, that in the workplace, it could be uh, that a person will not get a promotion if they continue whatever their sin might be. Now, of course, Christians might suffer persecution, lose a job, or not get a promotion because of obedience. That's a different story, a whole different topic. But there are other alternatives that the world may use that are appropriate. And even appropriate in a church. You suspend someone from the Lord's Supper or other, other ways in which churches might use discipline. But having said that, it's not just the young that the Scripture shows. And, you know, we say, well, can you really 
Is, is it really applicable today in, in this day and age? And I understand churches don't exercise corporal discipline. I'm not condoning or advocating that. Um, may I say if the churches were more theocratic, if we had more of a theocratic church, the churches would never use corporal discipline in an unprofitable way. It's probably impossible from now on. The world would say in 2023, haven't we grown out of the dark ages? Won't you be liable for a lawsuit? Is this a, a fodder for firing? Well, we consider these case by case by case, but not in the home. There should be the use of corporal discipline. And in the church, there should be the use of verbal discipline and, and other ways in which Christians must be shown the, the pain of sin. And so we might lead them in the right path. Always, church discipline is to be exercised for rehabilitation, for recovering the person. Hell is not for rehabilitation, to recover the person. We want people to be delivered from a place of punishment and retribution and, and to have homes that are homes for rehabilitation, pointing them to the Lord. Churches should be places of rehabilitation. You can't have rehabilitation without discipline of some kind. In the old days, wasn't so much on the back, but the knuckles, remember? I'm not faulting. I'm not faulting the, the old days when I was hit on the knuckles by sticks. It had an effect. I can remember. <laughs> well, one effect, one alternate discipline was we had a nun that she, was, she would put almost her nose in the doorway, and as soon as 9 o'clock hit, boom. I mean, you could be five inches from the door. If that bell rang, it was closed. And then I had to go to the dean of men's office or somebody's office that I didn't like. And, and I'll tell you, we ran like crazy to get in those doors in those days. But, you know, they were effective. Those measures of discipline, to me anyway, at least socially, they were somewhat effective. And God tells us they will be effective if we apply them biblically and wisely. And again, the world says we're barbaric. But let me again say, ever seen a linebacker crush a halfback? Barbaric. Ever seen a boxer pulverize an opponent? Ever seen a hockey enforcer punch over and over again? Ever seen a hockey player not missing front teeth or having a straight nose? We're all people that, that fall. Laziness, disrespect, pride, lust. Just straight out disobedience. A few stripes are better than imprisonment with television, gym, peers and crime. So-called rehabilitation. And a few stripes, a few measures of pain is certainly to be chosen over an eternity in God's prison. The results of discipline as I close is simply being loved. If the right person, if the right, 
if, 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 if done in the right way, a child can know he's loved. He'll be chastened timely, early. It's a show of love. Peripheral learning is a result of discipline. Lateral damage, we might call, but smite a scorner and the simple will beware. You watch someone else being executed. You watch someone else being chastened by the Lord. I'll tell you, it, it, it perks you up. Capital punishment has consequences, not just to the criminal, but to all of us. The result of more wisdom. Reprove one that with understanding and he will he will understand more. A rod and reproof will give wisdom, chapter twenty nine and verse fifteen. The long view will be the result, permanence. When he is old he will not depart from it. You know, how many children when they are old have gone to their parents and said, Thank you. Thank you for disciplining me. Thank you for reminding me of the pain of sin. Thank you. How often have we said to the Lord, Thank you, Lord, for the providences that you have decreed to remind me I'm a sinner and to deliver me from hell and to deliver me from backsliding or falling into deep sin. Just the wisdom of growing up. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. The rod of correction shall drive it far from them. Getting saved and growing up and going on with the Lord. It's parental joy, which is another result. If, if a child left to himself brings his mother to shame, the Bible says. Embarrasses the parent. Again, the proverbial child screaming in the store. And yet, so often you find the parents aren't even ashamed. They're just, I just saw someone in the store the other day and this child is screaming and grabbing things and the mother's kind of smirking, holding the child in her hand and still trying to shop. I mean, we've lost all shame and embarrassment anymore. But a, a child that's not left to himself will be an honor to his mom. His mom goes on to say in verse 17, his mother will be... Well, let me read that to us. 29... Verses 15 and 17. Well, again, reverse. If the use of the rod and reproof gives wisdom and the child is exercised by them, he'll bring his mother honor, joy, right? And then verse 17, if you correct your son, he will give you rest. If only they saw that again. Don't sacrifice the permanent on the altar of the immediate. Sacrifice the immediate on the altar of the permanent. Verse 17, Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. You see him saved. You see him part of the church. You see him praying at his meals. You see him uh, marrying a godly person. Wanting to have children to bring up in the nurture and ministry of the Lord. Covenanting with the church. Uh, being a witness and a good worker at his job. And, and the and on and on and on and seeing your grandchildren saved and your great grandchildren saved and then one day all of you at the throne of God hearing well done thou good and faithful servant how much delight will that bring use the rod now or they will have the unwelcome rod later it will work verse 19 the servant will not be corrected by words only but he will be corrected with the use of of the rod and ultimately 
the result of discipline, you will deliver his soul from hell. Chapter 23 and verse 14. Isn't that special? And that's that's our burden. That's our chief delight. A parent's chief concern should be the eternal welfare of our descendants. Eternal welfare of our relatives, eternal welfare of our church, of people. But it begins in the home, the wisdom of discipline. I'll take any questions in a little bit. Father in heaven, thank thee that you are such a wise, consistent Father. Thank you for your discipline, for your correction, Lord. We know you love us. Help us to learn from our correction. Help us to sin less, Lord. I pray that that we would agree with you when you discipline and chasten us. I pray that we would improve by it. We would be more wise and humble and holy. Please rescue our children and grandchildren. Forgive us where we have failed, Lord. When we have disciplined when we were angry. When we have not disciplined, when we should have, or when we have over-disciplined, or, Lord, so many faults. Who is sufficient for these things? Forgive us, Lord, or things that we can't take back. Give us grace to go on to be mentors and helps to our children and grandchildren, appoint them to you. I pray that you'd give our children grace to forgive us, that you'd awaken our lost ones to see that they need Thee. To see, Lord, that they're going to give account to Thee. That though, Lord, our children can point to us and say to You, Lord, did You not see them fail here and fail there? And yet, Lord, they can't use that excuse forever. Pray, Lord, that they would forgive us and that they would go before You and ask for Your forgiveness be saved before it's too late. Oh, that we would have household salvation. Thank you, Lord, for this um, current truth. We do not believe your word is outdated. It is still living and powerful. It is still relevant. It is still the word of the Lord. We respect you, Lord. We respect it. Help us to live by it and to practice it. We pray these things in the name of your Son, our Savior. Amen.